Hello. If you're able to, please close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Relax your shoulders. Unclench your jaw. Take another deep breath in. And another breath out. You can open your eyes now. My name is David and welcome to Mindful Moments. I hope you're well today. I am well, but quite cold. You can't see them right now but my feet are currently in a hot water bottle. A hot water bottle for my feet was one of the best investments I have made this winter. It protects me from the cold and protects me from having to turn on the heating. So I'm chilly, but satisfied. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll remember I said that my new year has started off slightly slower than I'm used to and slightly more slowly than others when I compare myself to what I'm seeing on social media, what I'm seeing other people do. But... I'm very resolved this year to run my own race, to do what's good for me, no matter what it looks like and no matter how I feel when I compare myself to others. Last week's episode got a lot of positive reception, so thank you so much for that. I'm very grateful. It did feel a little bit difficult to share at the time, but interestingly, the episodes where I feel like I've shared a little bit more personally and it's been a little bit more difficult for me to talk about the things I'm talking about often seem to be the best received. So I really do thank you for letting me show up as my authentic self, let me talk about the things I need to talk about and receiving me from me. I appreciate it very much. In that spirit, I actually would like to carry on from last week. You know that I don't always make every week's episode based on what I said the week prior, but today I think it's necessary because it just fits. I last week talked about running your own race, doing what's good for you, doing what's best for you. But we don't always do what's best for us. I have done very well, I feel, the beginning of this year, at doing what's good for me, no matter how I feel about it. But we don't always do that. I've been acting from my highest self. We don't always act from our highest selves. Sometimes we do things that are bad for us. Sometimes we do things that are bad for us, knowing that they're bad for us, but we do them anyway. And I'm not talking about, I said I was going to eat healthy today and I've had a takeaway. That's, you know, slightly different to what I'm I'm talking about is a little bit, on a bigger scale than that. I'm talking about self-sabotage. Today, I would like to talk about self-sabotage. If we are to define self-sabotage, it's behavior that goes against our own interests or our own development that's often unconscious or involuntary. Essentially, doing the wrong thing for ourselves, sometimes without even realizing and sometimes without being able to help ourselves. And it's something that we're all prone to, something that I've been very prone to. I can only talk about self-sabotage as it pertains to me. So who wants to hear about some (laughs) self-sabotage? It's difficult. Self-sabotage is a difficult thing to deal with. It's a difficult thing to get over. It's a difficult thing to manage. But it's only by realizing that we do it, accepting that we do it, and trying to get to the root causes of why we do it, 
why each of us personally does it to ourselves, that we can try and fix it and try and get around it. By no means am I saying I'm a master at it. There are so many areas, so many areas in which I want to improve, but it's definitely something that I'm much better at dealing with than I was one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. When I look back at a lot of things and a lot of situations in which I self-sabotaged, I can quite comfortably and confidently say that I would deal with those situations a lot differently now. That I've given myself the tools and the permission to be able to deal with those things a lot differently now. But as always, I'm a work in progress. And the first and main thing that I want to say before I talk about my own personal experiences is that none of us are ever going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And I'm not always 100% of the time going to act in my own best interests. One, because emotions are powerful. Two, because situations are complicated. Three, because quite often you only realize you self-sabotaged in hindsight. As the actual definition of self-sabotage says, a lot of the time these behaviors are unconscious or involuntary. So you don't really realize it as much at the time. It's more about preparing yourself for situations like that so that when you're in a moment and you're unable to think and analyze things you the way you would if you had all the time and space in the world, you're able to act in a way that still protects your best interests and your future interests. And when you look back on that situation, you realize that you dealt with it in the right way rather than doing something that was essentially self-sabotage. Yeah, okay, let's talk about it. I think disclaimers are done. When I think about self-sabotage, I'm trying to think about examples that are quite universally applicable. Have you ever had an argument or disagreement where you're on a different side to somebody and you feel like the disagreement could probably be resolved if you're the bigger person or if you decide to let a certain thing go and you decide to escalate that conflict? You decide, no, actually, today I want to be angry. I want to be really angry. And you escalate that situation to a place where it didn't necessarily need to go. Guilty. And then when you look back, you realize why you did that. And you feel terrible about it. You feel really terrible about escalating that situation or making that person feel bad or making a conflict bigger than it needed to be. That's a big example. Let's go for a smaller example. Have you ever known that you have something big coming up the next day or you need energy the next day? You need a good night's sleep. And you take your phone to bed with you and you scroll until 3 a.m. Or you scroll into the time where there's no possibility of you feeling rested when you wake up the next day. And you wake up the next day and you feel terrible. Guilty. I can think of a lot of other examples where I've self-sabotaged. But in my case and in my life, the times where I self-sabotage most are when really big or really good things happen to me or the times where I've self-sabotaged most in my life are when really big things happen to me or I have the possibility of making something really big happen for myself and after many years of thought and discussion and journaling and thinking and even therapy last year I feel like I'm I understand the root cause of why I would tend to do that in those times when I talk about, or rather, okay, when, with, with big things happening to me, so as it pertains to big things happening to me, say I get a big opportunity or 
yes, I say I get a big opportunity that I didn't expect would happen to me or didn't expect would come to me. Sometimes the behaviors I'll exhibit around that time will be of self-sabotage. So say, yes, I'm working on a really big project, a really big project I've wanted to work on for a long time. And I know that if I deliver on it, it's going to go down really well. It's going to give me more opportunities in the future. And people are really going to look at me and look at the things I do in the way I want them to look at me and the things I do. And then in that time, instead of taking care of myself properly, going to sleep at a good time, waking up at a good time, eating the right things so I've got the most energy, focusing my time on that thing, I find myself procrastinating. I find myself putting off the work I need to do. I find myself going to bed super late, waking up later than I should and making excuses for my behavior the whole time. A lot of the time I feel when I self-sabotage, it's because I'm worried that something bad is going to happen. So I will make something bad happen before the bad thing happens because then at least it was in my control. Then at least I had something to do with it. I will lose the thing before the thing could be taken from me. A lot of the time when I self-sabotage is because something comes to me that's subjectively good and I don't feel like I'm enough for it. I don't feel like I'm ready for it. I don't feel like I can handle it. So again, before that thing can leave me, I self-sabotage so that it doesn't leave. And those are very understandable things to do. I get, I, I, I get why, logically, I understand why I do that. But it's so frustrating that I do that. It's so frustrating to sit here and say that I've done that before and not be able to guarantee that I'll never do that again. It's really annoying. But the very first thing or the very first step to solving any problem is acknowledging the problem. And for me, the reason my self-sabotaging behaviors have got so much better to the point where I actually can't remember the last time I behaved like that is because I had to confront it and acknowledge that it was a thing. I was really reluctant to do that because admitting there's a problem is the first step, but then that leaves you with a whole lot of other steps to, to fixing the problem. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot to take on. There's a reason they call it doing the work because it's hard, it's work, it's long. I also didn't want to feel weak. I didn't want to feel like, or it almost feels like, a, yeah, it feels like a public acknowledgement or a conscious acknowledgement, not even public. It felt like a conscious acknowledgement to myself that I feel these things when I get the things that I feel are good for me or that I want. Almost weakens me. It makes me feel like I can't handle those things. All the feelings that I'm afraid of, all the things I'm afraid of, I felt like acknowledging the feelings was confirmation of that. I'm worried that I can't handle this big thing. Acknowledging my worry and my concern felt like confirmation. You can't handle this big thing because you're worried. In fact, it's the other way around. Acknowledging that all, not all my feelings about this thing are positive is to me evidence that I can handle that, that, that difficult thing or that big thing actually that came to me. If I get a big opportunity, 90% of me is happy. 10% of me is worried that I won't make the most of it. Only focusing on that 90% that's happy and pretending that 10% doesn't exist is actually the less mature way of dealing with my feelings around that situation. Acknowledging the worry and concern, acknowledging that 10% and making sure it doesn't grow bigger and doesn't eclipse the 90% and making sure I never act out of that worry, but I make sure that I'm reassured on the 90% means that I can actually deal with that situation the way it needs to be dealt with. It means I can take advantage of that opportunity to the maximum because I'm not pretending 
I don't feel those difficult emotions. Learning that has really helped me in terms of self-sabotaging behavior because when I acknowledge that I'm worried, when I confront the difficult situation that seems so scary in my mind, facing it head on makes it grow smaller until eventually it goes away. When I think of self-sabotaging behaviors and maybe one situation that helped me to deal with future self-sabotaging behaviors. Have I ever told you about the time I was stung in the face by a wasp? I don't believe I have, so I will. When I was 13, there was a wasp nest in the roof. My older brother told me that sprayed deodorant at wasps would kill them. I kind of knew that he was wrong <laughs> or that spraying deodorant at a wasp nest was kind of insane. But I decided to do it anyway. And there was a moment when I was approaching the wasp nest with the deodorant can that I felt like I was watching myself in third person. I was looking at myself do this thing and I just knew it wouldn't go well for me, but I did it anyway. It felt like I couldn't help myself. I just did it anyway. And I sprayed the deodorant into the hole where I could see the wasps coming in and out. And all of a sudden there was a cacophony of buzzing. It, it felt like horror film territory. It was so loud. I ran inside and slammed the door and there were loads of wasps banging on the glass. It literally, as I said, it felt like a horror film. And one wasp made it inside. And I saw this one wasp and I knew what time it was. I knew I was finished. <laughs> I knew it was over. And the wasp flew and landed on my face, right next, on my nose, right next to my eye and stung me. Horrible, horrible pain. Had a terrible headache. And my brother did the older brother thing of, shh, no, you're okay, you're okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't tell mom, don't tell dad. And I went to bed, which I shouldn't have done. I just went to bed because I had a really bad headache. Woke up the next morning and my face was stuck to the pillow. And this side of my face, the left side of my face had swollen up massively. My mom took me to the hospital and I ended up going to school that day anyway. Didn't get homework for a week though, because I looked terrible. Everyone at school said I looked like I'd had Botox gone wrong, which was fair. But when I think about that situation, I think of it as a caricaturized moment that completely sums up self-sabotage. Spraying deodorant into the wasp nest when I knew it probably wouldn't work, knowing that I'd get hurt at the end of it and doing it anyway. When I think about why I did that at the time when I was 13, my brothers, I've got three brothers and a sister, all absolutely wonderful people. And my brothers are all very intelligent, very diligent, very meticulous, and have been since we were children. Very disciplined. A lot of those qualities I took on later in my life. I'd say probably from when I was like 18 or 19 is when I really started to take a lot of those things seriously. Not to say when I was a child, I wasn't any of those things. It's just my brothers were better at all those things than I was. And so not to say that I was the naughty child, but if you wanted some cleaning done or you asked all of us to clean, I was the one who my parents might expect me not to do it as well as my siblings or not to stick to it as well as my siblings. And I had, I was aware I kind of had that reputation and I really hated it. I really, really hated it. I hated not feeling as good as my brothers because I admired them so much. And I hated feeling like my more natural gregariousness, shall we say, made me not as good as them. And you know, when you have a label on you, the naughtier one, the louder one, 
that you don't particularly like. Sometimes you play up to it because you think, fine, if that's who I'm going to be, that's who I'm going to be. And when I think of spraying that wasp nest with deodorant, knowing it wasn't going to work, I know that I did that from a place of, I'm just going to get myself in trouble because that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I do. Very much self-sabotage. And I think of everyone's reaction to when I got stung by the wasp. Everyone, of course, was deeply concerned for my well-being and wanted me to be okay because they all love me. And I was very sad because my face was swollen and I looked like I'd had Botox gone wrong. And when I think about self-sabotage and doing things that are bad for me, even though I know they're bad for me, or, or doing things that are bad for me, feeling like I deserve the negative outcome, doing things that are bad for me because I don't deserve this opportunity anyway, so I might as well lose it. I don't deserve this relationship anyway, so I might as well ruin it. I think of the reaction that will come after that. I ruin a relationship. I'm sad about it. And the other person's sad about it because they also chose to be in a relationship with me. I'm talking all kinds of relationships, platonic, romantic. I get an opportunity. I ruin the opportunity. The person who gave me the opportunity gave it to me because they wanted me to make the most of it. And they wanted good things to happen for me and for them. Everyone's sad about it when I self-sabotage. So that's another thing. When I self-sabotage, the negative that I imagine coming or the negative that I imagine as inevitable isn't what anybody wants and doesn't have to happen. It really doesn't. I don't deserve that and nobody else deserves that. And seeing things like that and seeing myself through a more compassionate lens really helped me to stop with self-sabotaging behavior. Again, all a work in progress, but I really would say that right now I can sit here and say, I know I deserve good things. I know that when I get big opportunities, even if I don't quite feel ready for them, I need to work myself into a position where I do feel ready for them. If I'm having a conflict in a relationship and I could escalate it or, or make it worse because I feel angry or I'm scared that person's going to leave me, I need to give that person the credit they deserve, give the relationship the trust it deserves and calm myself down and work through it the right way rather than lashing out in the moment. And I'm very proud of myself. I'll be honest, I'm very, very proud of myself for working through those behaviors because I would say it's only the last two or three years of my life that I've been fully accepting of the good things that happened to me and fully accepting of the positives and the opportunities and the relationships that I have in my life. In terms of helping myself through these things, because as I said, a lot of self-sabotage and fixing self-sabotage comes in retrospect. I look back at things that I've done and realize I was self-sabotaging rather than stopping myself in a moment. And having done that reflection really helps me in future moments or at present, if I'm in a moment and I feel a certain way, I think I'm going to react a certain way. I'm much better at assessing it, realizing that's what I'm feeling and stopping myself because I've done so much reflection on the things I've been through. So reflection, number one, not even necessarily assessing at first or anything, but just looking back at certain situations and thinking, why did I react that way? Why did I do that? For me, journaling and writing down helps massively. Writing down with a pen and paper, I do it all the time for a lot of things, but especially when it comes to this kind of stuff and situations that I know went badly because I did something wrong. I assess those really hard and think, what would I do differently? Why did you self-sabotage? Where did that come from? How can I change it? On top of that, I really 
gratitude. Having gratitude for things rather than feeling like you don't deserve them. One of the best things someone ever told me about imposter syndrome, or rather I was talking to a friend about imposter syndrome or feeling like you don't deserve things or feeling like you don't deserve certain opportunities. And they said to me, whether or not you think you deserve to be in the room, you're in there, innit? Which was <laughs> just beautiful. You're in there, innit? You're there. Whether or not you think you deserve to be in the room, whether or not you think you deserve that relationship, that opportunity, you're in it. You have it. So it's not about suddenly having to measure up or pushing it away because you think you can't handle it. It's about, I have this now. How do I make sure that I behave accordingly? And for me, it's gratitude. It's truly being grateful for whatever it is that I have at that time. When I think of gratitude or the act of being grateful for something, there are many components to it, but gratitude must involve exception. Gratitude must involve acceptance and administration. That's what I meant to say. For me, gratitude must involve acceptance and administration. I have to truly accept that this thing has happened to me or happened for me. And I have to make sure that I use that thing or interact that th with that thing or hold that thing or treat that thing with what it deserves to the best of my ability. If I say I'm really grateful for a meal and then I throw it in the bin, I haven't really acted on my gratitude. I need to enjoy it to truly be grateful for it. If something good happens to me, if an opportunity comes to me, if, an, if a relationship comes to me, that I'm truly grateful for, my behavior is what is the final, my behavior is the final stage of that cycle of gratitude. I say I'm grateful for it, but then I need to act like it too. And that really is my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to prove my worthiness. It's just my responsibility to show my gratitude. And we know how to do that. We really do. We know how to show that we're grateful for things. We know how, we're grateful, how to show we're grateful for opportunities. We just trust ourselves to do that. So when it comes to self-sabotage, a lot of us do it. We all do it at certain points. But it's come to me getting over my own self-sabotage. I think, why are you spraying this wasp nest with deodorant? What's the reason? And then I don't. <laughs> and then I don't. I try to be grateful and accepting of the good things that come to me. I try to assess situations previously where I realized I self-sabotaged. And I congratulate myself every time I deal with a similar situation differently. I think that's a big thing as well. Progressing and becoming better is much easier when we acknowledge our progress. I think that's a huge, hugely important part of the journey to acknowledge our progress. So whenever I go through a situation that I know previously I wouldn't have dealt with as well, I congratulate myself and tell myself, well done. I know, I recognize that I've dealt with something differently. Because we have to. You have to give yourself a little pat on the back sometimes. It's good to know. It's good to acknowledge that you've healed and you've grown in those ways. Life is a process. Everything's a process. We learn. We continue to progress. I hope me sharing my personal experiences has, I don't know, I, I, I hope this has made sense, really. I feel like I've talked about myself a lot today. Equally. Again, as I said last week, that was a really positive reception. And again, this is something that I'm trying to grow in confidence with. I know that I talk about my 
thoughts regularly, but it's difficult, especially when it's something that's very much a work in progress and something that's very personal and that I feel, I have no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say, I don't feel any shame about this because as I said, we all go through this, we all experience it, we all feel it, but yeah, sharing your own personal experience is always tough to an extent. So as always, just very grateful to you for listening and for giving me the space to do so. And I hope it's helpful. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening. And whatever you're doing this week, I hope you have a wonderful one.